0: From the TWU Local 591 Union Hall, it's the Local 591 Podcast with local president, Gary Scheibel. Join Gary and his guests as they discuss topics that impact and affect the careers and lives of union members. Take it away, Gary.
1: Welcome back to the TWE Local 591 Podcast. My name is Gary Scheibel, your local president. Uh, Today we're going to have a special podcast on the ASAP program. The ASAP being the Aviation Safety Action Program. Uh, We know during these trying times that uh, you can be easily distracted out there while working on aircraft. So uh, today we're invited into the studio Brad Brugge, who is the Safety of Flight and Compliance Coordinator, and Joe Absalon, who is TW Local 591's ASAP Coordinator. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen.
2: Great to be here. Thank you.
1: So let's get started right away with what is ASAP?
2: ASAP is the Aviation Safety Action Program, and started for us in maintenance back in 1998. And it's been kind of an evolving program, but it's a voluntary reporting program to hopefully identify safety concerns and issues that happen in the work environment that can ultimately lead to less events and less accidents. And and now it's turning into a program that, you know, it it had a bad reputation for a long time as a get out of jail free card or kind of a snitch on your buddy program, but that's not what it is. What it's turned into now is a more of a proactive identifying problems in, the, in our working environment. And the majority of our reports now are people telling us, hey, we see a problem, there's a procedure, there's a tool, there's some kind of training, there's a manual issue. And that's the majority of our reports now are those types of reports that identifies things that we never knew about that we can go have an opportunity to fix.
1: And you mentioned uh, the get-out-of-jail-free, and that's often times I hear, uh, the get-out-of-jail-free perception. But this is truly about safety prevention.
2: Absolutely. And the get-out-of-jail-free perception, I think most of the time is uh, probably perpetrated by management because there are some incentives involved in ASAP. If you come forward and tell us all the details around an event that you may have been involved in or an error, and we accept your report, there's no discipline from the company or from the FAA involved. And that's one of the guarantees of filing an ASAP report and having it accepted. From the outside, a lot of times, people that don't have all of the information around the event or the error that happened, they absolutely have seen that as they get out of jail free, but that's not what it is, that's not what the purpose is. Hopefully we can dispel that that rumor or that perception.
1: Well, the Another thing I always hear out there is, I only file when I did something wrong. So in other words, in a, a reactive way versus a proactive way. Uh, can you address that?
2: Uh, yes, absolutely. And, and like I said, back in 1998 when we started, the majority of the reports at that time were, hey, I made a mistake. I'm going to file this report to gain the incentives and make sure nothing happens to me. And that's how it started. But now over time, as our members see, hey, I put a report in or I made the company or the the ASAP ERC, the event review committee, aware of something and they see it actually fixed and they see solutions to that, the more we've turned into a proactive, hey, I wanna tell somebody there's a problem I need, and I believe that, that it could be fixed. And so I'd also like to add on to that. So we we gain better uh, use of our
3: technical data when people come forward and make us aware of it. And we share it across the system. One quick example was a couple of years ago, some people out west noted that the coffee maker wasn't in the transcon. The espresso machine wasn't in the transcon. They they made us aware of it. And we quickly uh, changed the uh, manuals to reflect that. And that's the perfect example of a proactive ASAP.
1: Okay, and when somebody was going to file one, is there a time limit? I often hear about 24
2: hours. There used to be a 24-hour time limit on ASAP. And now with the most updated advisory circular, 120-66 Charlie, the time limit has gone away. And I'll try to be quick on, on how this worked. It used to be that you had a 24-hour time limit. And then they changed it to if the FAA was independently aware of the event that you were involved in, then you ha- had 24 hours from the time you became aware. So if an FAA inspector tapped you and said, hey, I reviewed the paperwork, I see an error, then you had 24 hours from that point, from becoming aware or when you should have became aware. Now, with the new version of the guidance, it's kind of up to the ASAP ERC through consensus, what is timely. If I was gonna go file an ASAP report about a procedure, and I think the procedure's wrong, I know about it on Monday, and I go to my lead or my crew chief, I go to my supervisor or my manager, maybe even get engineering involved, and then come Thursday, I've tried all these things and nothing has changed. I can still file an ASF report, there's no time limit on that. Now, if we have an event happen, and there's six people involved, and Joe has been out you know Joe's out on the floor he goes and says hey we're gonna investigate this and I would recommend you file an ASAP and five out of the six file an ASAP but then three weeks later or whatever time later the company may say hey we're gonna investigate this sixth guy in this event and we're gonna we're gonna maybe discipline him and then he goes and files an ASAP to try to protect himself then I would say there's a pretty good chance that that report's not gonna get in if he knew about it three weeks ago and he just didn't do anything because he didn't want to. And now that he maybe is in trouble, then he would file and that's... So we try to encourage everybody up front, hey, file a report. There's not a definite 24-hour time period, but if there's an event that you're involved in and you get told by your TW or your IAM rep, hey, you should file a report, then you probably should because two weeks from now, if the ASAP Event Review Committee meets and the FAA says, hey, Joe, did we invite this person to file an ASAP report? And Joe says, well, yeah, I, I told him two weeks ago, then that would be a report that we may not accept for timeliness.
1: Speaking of filing a report, how does one actually file a report?
2: the simplest easiest way is to go through jetnet log into jetnet go to the safe page and then on the links at the bottom of the safe page are depending on that we still set up iam and t i mean leg us and leg a links on there i think so and there's also one on our local 591 uh, website as well. and 514's got it as well and but and if you just want to write it down you can just type in American Airlines safety.com and then it'll take you to a JetNet login and they get you right in there.
1: The other thing uh, I know the membership out there are very interested in is so when these reports are filed, how many are actually accepted by the committee?
2: So we've been the last couple of years, I think we were averaging eight, nine hundred, close to a thousand reports a year. And for the last couple of years, our percentage of acceptance in ASAP has been 97, 98%. So we have a really high acceptance rate and that lines in. There's, there's over 500 pro ASAP programs in the United States and the national average is like 97%. So okay. we're right there.
1: And then how do you work in from there? How are they closed out? How are, uh, how does that process work?
2: So there's a couple different ways we do this. So let's say we get a report in that is, Hey, i found a work card. There's a problem with the work card and, and we're going to submit a request to engineering to have that changed and we may track that corrective actions but we would normally close a report like that as a routine close no violation and that would get a response back through our reporting database to the reporter saying that um, which
3: which doesn't mean there
2: wasn't a violation it just doesn't mean that there was a violation by the reporter right and then the next one would be if there was a, a report that came in and let's say the employee made an error or a mistake or we saw something like that in the investigation, then we may close the report out either by saying, Hey, we believe this was human error. And there we may get with the reporter to look at some kind of help with some kind of control or something we could put in place to keep it happening from the to the next person. And then past that, the biggest number of reports that we get, the highest uh, percentage of reports we get, or what we call at risk behavior, which would be drift that we see and how we do our job every day and that That's a big number of reports and we call that at-risk behavior. And we always emphasize to the person that we're dealing with, the reporter, when we close that out that there's been some drift, we see at-risk behavior and here's the risk that maybe you didn't see like we want you to see. And there may be some kind of a go do a corrective action after that, whether it may be a CBT training or we may review a procedure or a policy but that is what we see the most, and that's at-risk behavior. So if you see uh, something that comes back as a response that we close it with an ARB or at-risk behavior, that's what that would be. And that is still closed and accepted, and there's no discipline for that. And then... So,
3: so corrective action in our terminology has no type of discipline or punitive action. It's just a action that we have to apply for the event and or the report.
1: Okay, and before you move forward with the next part of this, uh, you said we a couple of times. Can you explain who the we are?
2: The event review committee, or the ERC, is a is the group that looks at all of the ASAP and tech ops. In most ASAP programs, there's three parties, a three-legged stool is what we like to call it, and that is the labor group, the company, and the regulator, which is the FAA. So in our particular ERC at, at American, we have four TW reps. That's Joe Absalon, Harry chair for 591, myself, and Doug Housley. And then we have three IAM uh, representatives, John Hall, Bud Brown, and Mitch Worthington. And that's the labor side. And then on the company side, we have the manager, who's Alan Patton, and the analyst, which is Christopher Clark. And then on the FAA side, we have dedicated FAA people that just do ASAP and that's Mike Watts, Joe Marsh on the maintenance side. And then we have, uh, we're getting ready to lose. Don Newport is retiring and we're supposed to get Tim Coles, I believe. That's correct. And those are FAA inspectors that come into ASAP and do our adjudications and investigations over any of the reports we get. But, uh, it's important to keep in mind that just because the FAA is involved, nothing that we talk about inside of the ASAP event review committee meetings or what they learn from reports can ever be used outside of our ASAP events. So when people maybe hear that the FAA is gonna see your report, but well, they're gonna see your report, they're not gonna see your name. And anything that they learn inside that room has to stay in the room. Now, if it's a criminal activity, that's a different story and nothing stays in the room at that point.
3: When the report comes in, the FAA, you're identified as amt1 or cc1 or ISNP one inspector what, whatever your, your title is you're one two three whatever m- amount of people are involved in that event so that's all they ever know and they wouldn't know you
2: or me or the next guy if you were
3: standing next to them tomorrow unless you don't
2: or unless they find they were the reason why we got the report now that happens sometimes where they go find something and right. then they'll know who the person is because they were the one that found it and they're going to ask you to see a copy of your amp and and all that but even even with that, anything that we learn in ASAP still stays within ASAP, and, and they, don't, they don't get to use that outside of ASAP.
1: So I interrupted you while you were speaking to At-Risk. Anything else I need to know about the process as far as closing your reports out?
2: Sure. If we don't identify human error at risk or a routine close because of a proactive report that there was no violation, then the only other kind of closure would be a report that is excluded. Now, it could be excluded either for timeliness or it can be excluded for a a reporter who puts in a report and doesn't complete the the corrective action or the follow-up that the ASAP ERC agrees to, or rarely we have what we would call reckless behavior. And if we exclude a report from ASAP on reckless behavior, then that just means you don't gain the incentives from the program, the protection, and then it would just go back to whatever joint contract process there is for investigation that the company may do. I would like to add on to that, Brad, that, you know, it's plausible that the FAA
3: already knew about this if it was a reckless one or the one we were going to exclude, and they have the ability to find out through independent means and carry on a parallel investigation.
2: Isn't that right? Correct. Yeah, they can do that, but they can't get any information from our investigation or the the report the person put in. But typically, when we have... Some kind of event that's you know got a lot of focus on it, and let's say the report did get excluded. Now the ASAP information would never go out, but that would not stop the FAA from maybe knowing, hey, you know what, this this happened in Dallas, and it was a seven eight, and it was on this day, and they can go do their own investigation after that. But they don't get any information that a person might put in their ASAP report.
1: Okay. And speaking of investigation, a lot of times what we hear as reps. Is the word Mia or this other terminology called Just Policy? Can you speak to those?
2: Sure. So in 2011, at American Legacy American, we started a policy called the Just Policy. And without getting into too much detail, the Just Policy is basically an ASAP-like program outside of ASAP. And in that in that process, we we the company created a compliance group that does nothing but investigate under the Just Policy and in conjunction with ASAP, all of these are errors and events that we have. So if you hear the term MIA, that is a maintenance error assessment aid that's derived from the Boeing MIDA process. And it's a basically a human factors investigation. And Boeing, from their training, they call it out as a blame the system, not the employee type investigation. It looks at all the contributors and doesn't focus on what kind of evidence can we gain on this person who made an error, or mistake. So the MIA is our way as an organization to investigate these events that happen. And under the Just Policy, the MIA is done and it uses the same standards to investigate something or an event that somebody was involved in as the ASAP process. And what we've done under the Just Policy is just simply tried to bring ASAP and our investigations all into one place so we didn't have multiple investigations over the same event like when we actually used to have that and that was one of the things that drove us to the just policy and the me investigations and the me investigators most of the time if you file an asap report you're going to be contacted by one of the union reps and a compliance specialist or a compliance manager wherever you may be located to do a me investigation that works hand in hand with asap And then what ends up happening is, the ME investigator will do his, his or her investigation, put it all together, and they end up calling in to the ASAP ERC meetings, and then they report out what they found, and then we go through and adjudicate the corrective actions or whatever we find in that investigation.
1: Okay, the other term I hear out there is the term NASA. Can you explain to the listeners what NASA is about?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times, We'll get phone calls after a person's filed an ASAP report a month or two later, and they get an envelope at their house from NASA. And a lot of people don't know what that is. So automatically when you file a report at American Airlines and tech ops for a, when you file an ASAP report, you automatically have a NASA ASRS report filed for you. And what you get is simply a receipt saying that that went to them and they're giving you a receipt for that. What that receipt does is it gives you what's called a waiver of sanction. So that in the unlikely event that your report ever went past ASAP, didn't get included into ASAP, and then the FAA may take action against you, that waiver of sanction is something that could be a benefit and just an example of how it works. If you keep a copy of that, and we used to tell people to keep a copy of this NASA receipt just like you would your taxes, keep it for three or four years. and what that receipt can do is let's say you got all the way and the FAA was trying to fine you or suspend your license and got to an administrative law judge. And they said, okay, we're gonna suspend your license for 45 days. Maybe it started at 90 and the TW lawyer got them down to 45 or 30, whatever it may be. Then you can hand that waiver of sanction over. And what that does is you may get a 30 or 45 day suspension that goes on your record but you don't have to serve it and also if it was a $500 fine let's say if you present that waiver of sanction that would keep you from having to pay that fine but that would go on your record so that's what the and the NASA is just ASRS and I'm sure some people know that it's an aviation safety reporting system that NASA keeps and and you can go and do all kinds of queries on the database and look at all kinds of stuff, but it's also a reporting system. And for people in general aviation, let's say AMPs in general aviation, they don't have the ability for an ASAP program in most cases, but they can report into NASA. And that gives them a little uh, a layer of uh, protection as well. All right, so let me clarify something right. I said about the mm-hmm. NASA receipt. The protections, the waiver of sanction may help you if the FAA or the administrative law judge wherever level that may be in the process they have to accept it if it's if it's not intentional. so you can't have anything like intentional falsification or something like that and them still be okay with accepting that waiver of sanction. Most of the times we see it accepted that we that we've dealt with since 2005 but um, some haven't been accepted in intentional acts. And so that person still ended up getting the suspension or the fine. Pretty rare but it it has happened so I want to make sure I clarify that.
1: Okay, one other I hear a lot is about safety concerns. So what is the difference between safety concerns and ASAP?
2: Right now we're trying to make that process a little better but when you go into the database to report an ASAP report you're presented with two options. You either can file an ASAP report or you can file a safety concern and Just an easy way to, well, I don't know if this is easy, but for me, if it's an operational type concern either procedures or me actually doing my job and the training and the tools and the CFRs and and the the Code of Federal Regulations and compliance with our GPM around us doing our job in the work environment, that's, that's an ASAP report. A general safety concern, maybe something more occupational safety and health type report, where we're talking about COVID or we're talking about health and safety issues in the workplace that you would think of maybe more of an OSHA type report than something that has more that has to do with safety of flight and our procedures and how we do maintenance and things that happen when we're doing our job. And we want all of those reports. And what we're trying to do is get it to a place where we can just tell every member here's the place you go to file a report, let us send it to the right place. But the key thing with that is, is that we, we want people to be fully aware if they're going to file an ASAP report into the ASAP program that is going to involve the FAA. So people need to realize what, where the report's going. So if you see ASAP and you see safety concern, those are two different kinds of reports. And, and, you know, the good rule is, is you know, if you're not sure, just put an ASAP report in and know that when you put the ASAP report in that the FAA, they're not going to see your name, but they're going to see a copy of that report. So just know that when you file, but that's the difference between a safety concern and an ASAP report. And if it's not a, and if it's not an ASAP report, we'll more than likely get in touch with you and, and make you aware of that as well.
1: Um, so one final question I have is, uh, since the JCBA, has there been any changes to the program that we should be aware of?
2: Yes. Back in 2017, the IAM had been struggling at Legacy Airways at, um, with their ASAP program. They had a lot of problems. The IAM had some very good reasons why it, it wasn't a benefit to their members. So they threatened to pull out of the program. And, but they had been working us, with us for a few years at Legacy American and the TWU side, and they saw the, the program that we had, and they wanted to come up to our level. And so they ultimately had enough problems where they talked to management and said, Hey, we're backing out of this. So management put a letter together and an agreement with the IAM to say, until we get to the joint contract, we're going to bring the IAM legacy us ASAP program up to what we had at, at the TW with American. So they did that. And then we went into the joint contract, we negotiated everything that that we were doing at American to stay the same going forward. And then when the joint contract was ratified, it brought our programs together. And starting on July 1st, uh, everything went into place so that the IAM members at Legacy US now have the same exact thing with the Just Policy, the ME investigations, the ASAP, as we have always had since 2011 at American. So. With that, and then with the with the jo- the joint contract, now all every every mechanic, inspector, anybody under the tech ops organization at American has the same level of program and protection that that we've always had at American.
1: Well, I definitely appreciate you both coming in the studio today, and uh, I've learned a heck of a lot. Um, before we sign off, here is there any final words from either of you?
2: I'd like to say that if people are interested in this, and and we can find a way to do this maybe we do something a little more routine and we maybe just change and not focus on answering all the questions about the program and stuff but maybe we try to answer specific questions people may have and also going forward maybe talking about things that we're seeing out in the trends that we see out in the system to make people more aware of what is actually happening in the asap program what we're dealing with and seeing the most And, you know, Gary, I know you're as
3: busy as the rest of them, but uh, I I don't know that it's not a bad idea if we could find some way to maybe have some place for people to send in questions other than just to call us and or text us. I don't, that might be a good idea. I'm not sure.
1: Uh, That's a great idea and we'll make it happen. On that note, I want to thank everybody for joining us on this important topic. As I said earlier, I definitely learned a lot and appreciate Brad and Joe for coming in today. I definitely encourage all the members to use this program, especially in the proactive way, um, so we can prevent accidents or any serious issues from happening. So we'll be back soon with another podcast. Just a reminder to everyone, especially during these trying times, do whatever you can do to stay safe, and we thank you. For more information
0: about TWU Local 591, go to local591.com. To comment on this or any of our podcasts, email us at info at local591.com. You can listen, download, and stream episodes of Local 591 Podcasts on iTunes, Google Podcasts, your favorite Android podcaster, or your RSS feed-enabled browser. Local 591 podcast episodes are also available to stream and download from our website, local591podcast.com forward slash podcast. Music provided under license by Pond5.com. The Local 591 podcast is produced and engineered by Tommy Engel.